Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm your host, Justin, joined by my co-host, Nicholas. Say hello, Nicholas. How are you? This evening, we're joined by a very special guest, vocalist and founder of the legendary Virgin Steel, the one and only Mr. David DeFay. David, how the hell are you? Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, David. So let's just keep it simple here. Take us back in time. When you were a kid, what sort of films, music, books, etc., were you into that kind of cultivated your creativity? I was definitely a horror guy. I grew up with stuff like Horror Hotel, Mark of the Devil, which I saw. My mother took me there. I was too young. Yeah, Mark of the Devil, Crow Haven Farm, The Blood on Satan's Claw. That was the real oh, yeah. Angel Blake. Yeah. <laughs> it was never a cooler witch. <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Angel Blake, yeah. What kind of music were you into when you were a kid? I started with everything. Classical music, Chopin, opera was around, you know, growing up in my environment. And in a rock, proto-metal bands like Mountain, Grand Funk Railroad, of course, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. My older siblings were, you know, blasting that stuff. And they were all in bands. Uh, my sister, my older sister was a rock singer. My brother was a uh, organist and singer as well. And my oldest sister still is an opera singer. So I was surrounded by that and the theater. My father was doing live theater. So Greek tragedy, Shakespeare. So I just distilled all of that. And what you see is is the product of uh, my misspent youth of uh, you know diving into the arts, you know? <laughs> I also hear, David, that you have quite the sword collection. When did that begin? That began pretty early on. I grew up with swords. My father had some swords. So I was like, hey, these things are pretty, pretty darn cool. Let me uh, carry on. And I started buying swords. And I had that one made for me that's on the Wait for the Night EP, the vinyl. That thing was made by a mad, mad genius, this guy. Tom the Lawnmower Man. I said, I would like a, something I could swing around real simply on stage, you know? He made this thing. You could chop down a tree with it. It's it's insane, this thing. It's, it weighs like about 75 pounds. And it's, it's not that easy to carry around. But it's fantastic. And I still possess it to this day. Do you have a a eureka moment that you can sort of recall the when you ultimately made decision to form your own band well you know i was probably seven years old sitting there on the basement steps watching my sister danae and damon you know do the rehearse for their their gigs they were in a, a rock band i would sit there and every song they played it was like this is the best song in the world this is the best song in the world and it was like you know, they were doing like DOA by Blood Rock. They were doing uh, Theme from Imagining Western by Mountain. They were doing Zeppelin, you know, Sabbath, everything. And I would just sit there and, and just like be in awe. Every song was like, this is the best song in the world. Growing up in that environment between that and, and the theater and the opera, I was like, I really need to contribute in some way. I need to be part of this thing. And I dove in and I started piano lessons at eight. And I joined my first rock bands as a singer at the age of 11 and i've been screaming my balls off since then yeah. <laughs> 
11. Wow, that's crazy. 11, so, yeah. So like you said, you know, there's sort of a meeting between two worlds with, with your music. You've got a huge classic rock influence, and you've also got that theater influence. And I feel like our listeners are going to be pretty familiar with a lot of the classic rock, but what's some theater, uh, like some specific stuff that are, are classical music or anything like that that you can sort of name drop to tell us about your influences there? Sure. Well, the theater was like, was mainly, yeah, Shakespeare, of course, and everybody mm-hmm. knows what that is, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth. Macbeth was like big influence on me. It had witches, it had death, murder, it had everything. Knights, the whole thing. So that's, that was that. And my father would, he, he'd draw from his record collection, the soundtrack for the, for the live theater. So he would be playing all sorts of classical stuff, um, you know, Gustav Holst, the planets, which is a very heavy sort of metal classical thing. Of course, I mentioned Chopin, opera, Verdi was big, Wagner, all that stuff, you know, factored into the productions. But I was really, really turned on by by the Greek tragedies, Euripides, Aeschylus, all those kinds of things that, that he was doing. And I started reading, well, the myths that stuff was based on and the plays as well. And for a while there, when I was very young, I thought we were Greeks. I thought we were Greek. I thought my father was Zeus and I was Dionysus. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it just progressed from there. <laughs> it may have been the wine <laughs> at a young age. Libations. Yeah, libations, baby. Yeah. You just mentioned that you're classically trained on the piano what has that classical training meant to the development of virgin steel sound well it got my fingers together to be able to play all kinds of things and whatnot and it really opened my ear up to the larger harmonic vocabulary so i got really into in the 19th century things started expanding harmonically you had the ninth you had the 11th the 13th chords the larger framework and then by the early 20th century they were throwing tonality out the window and doing all kinds of other bizarre stuff but i'm really like into that 19th century harmony pushing the boundaries i mean bach was doing that in a different way in a more of a linear fashion it's all there he's like kind of like the bible of, of music it's all there if you you go back and and and, and listen when it was birthed into the 19th century it was done in, in a more horizontal fashion and vertical fashion combined and i don't know that just really grabbed my ear wagner Ver- especially verdi and Chopin, Debussy, that kind of thing and i said well how do we bring this into rock metal together it's difficult when you've got like when you're playing a guitar through like distortion, martial amps, to get a five note, six note, seven note chord to sound like something. So that's why it's it's that root and fifth and that kind of thing or fourths, whatnot. We would um, use the keyboard's piano to flesh that sort of thing out to build it up and now what we're doing is all the stuff i've been writing lately from for the past several records we've been building on especially this new record that's going to be forthcoming i've had edward play everything that i've posed on the piano every every huge shape chord shape note by note build it up so i can extract the piano if i want to and all those colors are still there of the chords you know wow. that's kind of where my my ears are at and the whole thing so it still has that oomph and you still have all that rich harmonic framework going on kind of touching on already a lot of the themes in virgin steel center around history the house of atreus for example chronicles the events of the trojan war and i'm a, a big fan of music that touches on our past i feel that it can add weight and gravity to the music itself is that something that you'd agree with sometimes and sometimes it can even be used as a teaching tool yes yes i i'm a huge fan of history i'm a huge fan of myth and all those things but people should understand that i'm not trying to give you a 
history lesson with these records. They're all related to what's going on on the street today. Even something as steeped in myth as House of Atreus. I said, well, this is very timely. It's topical. We can bring it. These, these events are still going on. They are timeless. So that's, that's the appeal for me for that sort of thing. And on a more intimate personal level, all the lyrics, with the exception of some things that are you know, really steeped in myth, are uh, even some of those uh, are based on my own life's experiences and what I've gone through. I don't like to sing about stuff that I don't really have a personal involvement in, in some way. You know, I'm not going to write a bunch of songs about the elves and the hobbits per se, unless I've, you know, danced around in the forest with them, kind of a thing. You know? Right. Uh, it's my stuff is really, it, it may seem fantastical, but it is reality based. And I think that passion that you have for the subject comes through in the music. It's clear that you're not just doing it for a show, if that makes sense. As we say in Italian, mille grazie. Thanks very much. <laughs> now, both of those albums, uh, House of Atreus, were performed on stage in Germany as a metal opera. Can you talk a bit about how those plans manifested? Sure, sure. I was, I got this strange call one day. I'm sitting in my room, and I got this maniacal theater director on the end of the line from Germany, and he says to me, I'd like you to write something like an opera. So I said, House of Atreus. That was, you know, that was, that was a, I just blurted it out. He was like, Okay, and that's how it began. I got to go back a little bit further, though, because I met a girl, a Burdensteel fan, a Greek girl living in Germany on, I guess it was a marriage tour, and she met this, this theater guy. And he said to her, Lambrina, her name is Lambrina, what should I do for my next production? And she said, why a rock opera, of course, and I have the guy for you. So uh, he rang me up and, and we started. And I wrote the record at, kind of as you hear the record, beginning with Kingdom of the Fearless and uh, all that and, and go, going forward. And the opera was uh, was probably u- utilized, I guess, probably about 70% of, the, of those records in the stage production. So you said you're, you're, you have an older sister who's still an opera singer was she involved in that at all or did you did you take any uh notes from her no she's she's uh she lives in germany actually and she's still singing over over there she wasn't involved with that but you can hear her voice on bits of some of the burden steel stuff she is doing some stuff at the beginning of angel of death from visions of eden actually it's the end of angel of death yeah and and a little bit on, on some other songs on that record is the thing I wrote for the Seven Devils Moonshine box set called The Triple Goddess. She's featured in that along with her husband, who is a, a bass baritone. So I've used them here and there on, on, on the records. Okay, wow. So is that is that something you would revisit at any point, working w- uh, with an opera again? I would love to do something like that, sure. It has, that scenario hasn't really presented itself. We were going to, there were there were moments there where we were kind of like shopping in the Atreus thing, and, and there were some theaters that were interested in doing it, but it didn't really come to fruition, and I was going to try to bring them involved and, and whatnot to the whole thing, because they still have, you know, great voices. Yeah, and my other sister is still, she she's a rock singer. She was the singer on the original Sin album, Sin Will Find You Out. I don't know if you know that record. It's a thrash record. But, yeah, um, yeah. I, it was I've like a female before. version of Exorcist, which is another record that, that, that we did back in the 80s. That's really cool. Wow. So there's a lot of history, <laughs> and I will write the book at some point. I'm getting closer to writing the book before I forget <laughs> it all. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that your father was involved in theater. Now, did he have any advice or influence on those albums? Translating. He them actually to- flew to Germany. 
Germany to not, not on the records, but he did come to see the uh, the production. And you know, I think he was he enjoyed it to a certain extent, but he he, he critiqued these. Oh, they should have done this, that, and the other thing. And <laughs> yeah, some of what he said made sense and was probably right because he had years and years, decades of experience doing these these kinds of things, musical and and otherwise on stage. And he also had a great voice too. My father, he's no longer with us, but he was very very supportive, as was my mom with all of us, you know. And they all flew over to see the various I did three metal operas in Germany Atreus was the first and we did one based on it was called Die Rebellen Hell or the Die Rebellen it was, it was based on the marriage records and Invictus and then we did the third one which is the Lilith saga based on the Visions of Eden album and the Black Light Bacchanalia they're actually connected those two records with your interest in theater and such, have you ever considered or wanted to try your hand at acting on stage? You know, no, I, 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 I didn't. It was maybe because it, my other siblings were in were in things like Medea, you know, ancient Greek and whatnot, and, and various other plays. They always died in, in the productions. <laughs> My father always killed him off in some way. No, I never actually wanted to do that. I didn't really want to get that involved in my father's world that way. I was involved enough with bringing music. I would write music for a lot of the productions, piano stuff and orchestral things and, and God knows what. And I would also sing. Sometimes he'd use my voice because the actor or whatever, actress, sometimes I did a female voice couldn't sing you know and so i would record the bits and send it on out there yeah so i i did i did my stuff in a different way with him is there a chance that you have a favorite film score or composer with your love of horror and classical music i uh, there's so many that i enjoy i love Conan soundtracks polydorus that's that's metal of course you know and oh, yeah. i really like john barry i think john barry did some great stuff yeah he did dances with wolves uh okay he also did a thing called lion in winter which my father used to put that production on and i wrote that song sort of like as a tribute to the, to seeing my father in the production that's really cool he was the king obviously <laughs> <In the play. laughs> now do you recall the first ever virgin steel live gig and did it go off without any hiccups i think the first time we played live was probably at cheers the rock nightclub there was some i just wrote a forward for a heavy metal book based on some stuff from the 80s and it brought me back i had to re, like really go back and i looked at old magazines and all that sort of shit cheers the rock the rock nightclub well, well, on Long Island growing up, you could go out seven nights a week. Tuesday night, there'd be 500 people, 1,000 people in the room. It was incredible. Starting from like way back in the 60s, I think, with groups like the Hassles and the Illusion or whatever, and going forward, you know, the place was just a, you know, just a juggernaut of, 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 of rock metal and, and insanity every night of the week. And I think I probably spent at least eight, 10 years out every night. I never went home. I was always out every night of the week somewhere. Sometimes you do two, three, four clubs a night because, right. you, you know, we wanted to see Twisted Sister there, Zebra there, Good Rats over there, somebody else over there, Swift Kick, whatever it was, you know. And you're growing up in New York, right? So it's probably definitely bustling there. It was buzzing. It was yeah. buzzing like, like a hive of hornets. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Still based in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still living on Long Island. I'll never leave. <laughs> I'm a history of the island. If the island goes to war, I'll fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my money on the island with all the swords. That's it. <laughs> now, you just mentioned the forward that you wrote for this metal book. Have you considered writing fiction at all, ever? I've been asked to, you know, and I have done some stuff which I have not unleashed yet. 
but uh, I think my next thing is going to be the Everything You Wanted to Know About Bird and Steel But We're Afraid to Ask book first, and then I might go up and, and do something more whatever. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That'll be cool. <laughs> I'm going to do enough of, of reality in the songs and whatnot, especially, yeah. you know, from I don't know, from Life Among the Ruins forward. And uh, it's all based on scenarios uh, that I've lived through and, 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 and the crazy shit that, that we've gone through as, as a group and whatever. So while we're on the subject of live shows, in your opinion, once the world has kind of reopened, how are metal shows going to look going forward post-COVID? I think a lot of people got really kind of lazy over this thing. And I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Are people going to come out again? And <laughs> I hope so. You know, we were actually planning on going out there and doing this sort of stripped down semi or version of, of Virgin Steel, as as you might have heard on a record called Gothic Voodoo Anthems that was inside that box set. And we had gotten really close to launching. And then the uh, the virus did its thing. And we were like, all right, er, video. So we started doing a bunch of videos. And I started making movies about all that sort of shit and just went with that and dove into what's going to be the next album, which is almost almost done. I'm, I'm in the mixing stage now with that that record and it's a big uh over the top barbaric romantic concept album again based on some greek ancient greek stuff but it's also has you know its basis in reality as as we've been discussing so i mean based on what you just said and and your immense output i mean there's you have so much music that you've done do you do you find it hard to sort of slow down and stop creating i don't stop creating yeah <laughs> i i don't i've actually written the, the follow-up record to this record we're going to put out and uh <laughs> We've already tracked half the record. All the keyboards are done, some of the vocals, all the guitars are done, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the, actually a double album, that one. So we'll, we'll You're see. a madman. It's been <laughs> insane. I also wrote a couple. So I don't know if you know a, a wonderful guitar player named Tommy Vitale. He's from Italy. He's a monster shredder. He's great. He's a really dear friend of mine. And I just written two tracks with him, which is going to be his record. We were out last night. He was over and tied went on. And yeah, so I, I'm doing all sorts of stuff. You just mentioned you can't stop creating. You're already an album ahead. So what is your secret to a writer's block? What you just keep going? I've I've never had writer's block. I've had <laughs> other issues in my life, you know, but that's never been one of them. It's I have the opposite problem. It's very difficult to shut off. I don't sleep that much. You know, I'm constantly like raging against something or someone or whatever myself mostly well as huge fans uh, we appreciate the constant output and it's kind of rare you know a lot of people like Thank to take you. five to ten years off to finish an album sometimes no we we work actually rather quickly you know even that that huge box set that we did that, there were three new records in that thing with along with the two uh, reissues and that was done like you know over a matter of, of months it was just like boom you know once we set our minds to do something we just we barrel through we enjoy creating i enjoy creating we enjoy each other's um vibe and company and whatnot and the band has uh, managed to remain cohesive for quite a long time quite a long time edward has been with me since before Verdus deal actually we were friends and it was inevitable that he would be in the band one day. And uh, he's been playing with me uh, since we're children. And he's been in Burden Steel since, I guess, late 84, you know, whatever it's been like that. Josh has been with us since 2000. That's 20, over oh. 20 years. You know? 2000 is 20 years ago. That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 21 years ago. <laughs> oh, no. David, you've been doing, like you just mentioned, you've been doing this for damn near 40 plus years now. What advice would you give to 20-year-old David about navigating a business? Protect your hearing. 
<laughs> you know, when I was a little little tyke, seven years old, watching my bro brothers and sisters play, you know, with full-on martial arts and all that, and there was nothing in the ears, just sitting there. So we've all got tinnitus, of course, and you know, well, we still keep going. And my hearing is still actually quite good. You know, I'm like one of these guys that's operated a jackhammer all his life, and it's it's mildly, you know, annoying. It's That's it. Whatever. The genes are good. The wine is good. Something has kept me... <laughs> you know, all, all this all this time i don't know i yeah i would say i would suggest that and i would also say and i always say this is you've got to own your stuff protect all your material i own every fucking song i've written i own the publishing and the whole deal i've never farmed it i never sold it i also never allow things to be used in commercials i'm like jim morrison that way come on view of light my fire is not going to go down you know, I'm very serious about what I do. I'm very serious about the songs. They're like children to me, my children. I honor them. I protect them. And they are like, I said this, we were talking last night. They're like planting seeds. You don't know where they're going to sprout, how they're going to sprout, what's what's going to go on. Like you drop something somewhere and then you get a, an email or a phone call or something from some, some person in Greece or Finland or whatever, and you become friendly with them and it's just it's amazing where it's where it's all led you know I'm, I'm grateful i'm thankful and i just try to honor it and keep it going and it's never been really a career for me it's been a way of life you know so and that's the way i treat it and that's why i can be maybe unnerving and, and not always so friendly to the music industry sometimes because i i'm not going to bend you know and there 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 are entities out there that want you to be this that or the other thing and this is what i am so you know if you like it, great. If you're not into it, then you know we don't have to speak. You can speak to somebody else. That's quite okay. I don't. I don't need to be any more famous than I already have been or am or whatever you want to say. I'm really quite cool with it all. I just want to make the music. Well said. So, what would you say the independent route was the only option for you from the start, or did that mindset develop from a bad experience with a record company? It was always there. You know, it was always there because I saw I cottoned onto it at an early age that there were people out there who wanted to use you for their own gain. And I don't want to be a pawn in anybody's particular trip, you know. So I, I used to fight quite aggressively. I needed to in the earlier days. Now people get it and they basically leave me alone and let me do my thing over the years. They learn, he's not going to budge, so let's carry on. And, and, and that's it. I, I, I don't know. Some of the early, early members of the group sometimes wanted to uh, go in different directions. I remember when, when like the whole Bon Jovi, Molly Crew thing was going on. There was some some guys in the group were like, you know, what's what, what's wrong with him? Well, he doesn't want to be famous. And, and you know, Eddie would say, like, it's not that he doesn't want to be famous. He just he doesn't want to just deviate from what he, what, what he wants to do. And, and, and Edward was always with me, which was great, you know. And nothing against the other guys. I got where they were at, but it wasn't my thing. Like, some of them were into Bon Jovi, uh, like I said, Motley Crue or Brian Adams or whatever. Whatever the heck they, they were into at the time. And, uh, I mean, the closest I got to, like, delving into some of that was maybe like writing Cry Forever, which was the ballad on uh, Age of Santa. And that was about it. Or um, On the Wings of the Night. But On the Wings of the Night was really, you know, I mean, lyrically, it's, it's quite, quite different. And uh, so I, I, I don't know. That was about it. But but one of the guys in the group used to ask Eddie, why does Dave always sound like he wants to kill somebody? <laughs> you know, it's on the records. And he would say, well, because he does. 
<laughs> so he got it, you know. So handling everything so independently that way, how have you had to adapt to the way, not necessarily the industry, but just the way music is consumed has changed? So, you know, you, you started out, you're selling records, tapes become more prominent, CDs become more prominent, streaming becomes more prominent. What, what have you had to do to adjust to that? Well, we began, pressed up the record ourselves. I sold it from the trunk of my car, taking records around to different distributors, which was a great way to learn how things flowed and, and worked. And then we pressed up 5,000 records. Before they were sold out, we got a deal with Music for Nations in the UK and Mongol Board in the States. And uh, we were actually MFN1, the first release from Music for Nations. Wow. Before Rat, uh, before before Metallica, Man of yeah. War, Wasp, they all got signed after that. So, uh, you know, we were at, at the forefront of, of that whole spear thrust. Yeah, that, that European thrust of American metal. Yeah, and then it sort of filtered back, you know, Mongol board was interested and we got that going on but our 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 success if whatever you want to call it has always been more more in in europe than in the states if, i think the, the music sounds more european i guess you know we didn't sound like van halen who i like very much you know especially mm-hmm. with david Roth. but we didn't really sound like that so it, yeah it, it grabbed the ear of the europeans more and so we started going over there and doing gigs and tours and, and whatnot, and it, it progressed from there. So yeah, so then CDs came along, and at first we were like, that's really small, you know? <laughs> can you see the lyrics? That kind of thing. Well, we adjusted to that. Now, I liked it because the vinyl, you can only put like 20 minutes aside at best, you know, and, the, and that was it. So, and I was always writing new stuff. So I was like, oh, shit, now we can have like, you know, a longer record, great. So I, I embraced and you that. <laughs> I embraced it, yeah. yeah. And the, I mean, the other stuff now, I, I wish it had stopped at, at CDs, not gone for the whole streaming and the whole thing. I'm really not a fan of the internet. I, I, I think it's it's this, I mean, doing stuff like this is is nice and it's and, and how it's so free and easy and you can do, do, do that and get things out there and whatever and email is great and whatever. But overall, I think the human race has not been ready for this gift. I think in some ways we're a failed species because of all the problems that have gone on because of this. Yeah, there's you have the all the answers to all the questions you have at the palm of your hand, but most people will just look at cat videos, you know. Yeah, I you know <laughs> I liked I liked waiting for for the mail to arrive. Yeah. I liked when people wrote actual letters and I, you know I would get them in the PO box and whatnot, and I still answer them, and they do still now and again come in. And I still will answer all the mail, be it email or whatever it is. I've always done it and I enjoy it. It takes me a while to do it, but I still like listening and see what, what's going on. Rather than like some thread that's a bunch of comments and you got trolls in there who just want to trash your shit. Yeah, I'd rather have a real engagement with somebody who says like, you know, I was going through uh, chemotherapy and you your music helped me, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's in a, in a long career, like we've had, I've gotten letters like, like that and, and uh, emails like that and, and whatnot. Somebody died and, and the music helped me and whatever, that kind of a thing, you know, so that's very, very gratifying to all of us in the group. So J- Justin can attest to this. I, I feel like personally growing up when I, when I grew up, I was born in 1990. So I really grew up with the internet. I grew up having all this information at my fingertips. As soon as I started listening to music, CDs were going out and streaming was the thing but because of that i feel like i have made 
an effort to disconnect from it, especially in, in regards to music. So I collect a ton of analog music. I collect tapes, I collect uh, records because it, it's a whole different vibe. Uh, it, it's a way to sort of disconnect and really focus on the art when you listen to an analog piece of music. What's your preferred way to listen to music? Do you like CDs? Do you like records? And what do you think about the record revival of the 2000s? It's vast specifically is, is, is great, you know, but I think they're not always making the records to be made as vinyl because you're still kind of doing it from a CD thing. So they don't always sound like they would have sounded, you know, 20, 30 years ago because right. it's different technology and whatnot. But I think just to have them back is great anyway, you know, whatever they, they may sound like. I really enjoy music the most when I am driving. I like driving. So whatever it is, I mean, some, the newer vehicles, they got the stick, you know, so you, the USB stick, it's all there. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like the CDs because like when I'm mixing an album, I like to burn the thing and, 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 and try it out, whatever, and have different versions. But I can do that with the stick as well now. Yeah. One of, one of my vehicles is, is a, a five speed, you know, standard, which I drive around, has a CD player. And the other vehicle has the stick thing. So I, uh, I've, I've adapted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, you mentioned Conan earlier. Now, I could be wrong, but are you a fan of Robert Howard? I am a Conan fan, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't read as much as some people and really sunk. Like, uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Knight, singer from uh, uh, yes. Eternal Winter. He's really into that that whole genre. He writes as, as well. I think you had him on the show. Yeah, yeah. we just talked to Matthew yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's a, he's a great, great, awesome great guy. guy. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I like that sort of thing. I don't generally read it as much as I would like. I, I, I could dive into that. I'm reading stuff like these weird esoteric tracts from, from um, people who were writing like in the early 20th century and 19th century. It had to do with the Gnostics or whatever. That's like currently, you know, the, uh, the Cathars, that sort of thing. Okay. You know? okay. That's definitely in our wheelhouse too. All right. So what would you say is uh, the best show you you've seen as a fan best show i've ever seen as a fan just as a member of the crowd oh my god probably i've seen a lot of queen shows and they were absolutely outstanding you know i saw them when i was very very young like the uh she heart attack tour night at the opera oh, wow. uh, led zeppelin sabbath you know or she got to actually go on the road with tony aomi and his and sabbath met ozzy once dio dio rainbow saw rainbow with dio Fantastic show with ACDC with Bon Scott opening. Fucking oh fantastic. God. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, Great stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've seen so many wonderful shows over the years. Wasp. Uh, the list, list could go on and on and on. But yeah, Queen really floored me. And a band called Angel. I don't know if you know Angel. I'm not familiar. Great band. Like, kind of like Queen with multi keyboards. Like, yes, sort okay. of, sort of deal. Oh, great. Small player, Punky Meadows, still going. Punky's still going. Uh, and he's with the singer, Frank Domino. Great singer. I saw them at the Palladium and I saw them. They opened for Sticks once. I also saw them. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Sticks was great live. Unbelievable band live. Are there any. Um newer bands that you're into do you listen to modern uh, metal at all or uh are, are any local bands in new york that you're into i do you know click on things when they come across my 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 box whatever and then someone says you should listen to this and I'll, 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 I'll i will give a listen and check things out and some stuff i find you know quite good some stuff is, is not just not my my mm -hmm. cup of tea though it may be very very good probably like i mean they're not really new but the, the latest things i'm i'm still 
listening to bands like the cult you know i love the cult okay and i got all their latest <laughs> records i loved uh I, I was friends friendly with as well hypo negative i thought they were absolutely oh, okay. great, great band i was friendly with peter and we did a uh, we did a show with them in, in uh, bologna italy which was which was outstanding uh so yeah i, I you know I, I i thought what they were doing was 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 brilliant i still listen to brian ferry he's still making records roxy music robert plant i still listen to i like his, his solo stuff as much as uh the zeppelin stuff you know dreamland is an amazing record that one there. uh fate of nations so i mean i can listen to uh, you know from there to there all sorts of stuff so yeah if you want you want to send me something you think is, is i should hear send it on over i'll listen to it Absolutely. Well, David, we're not going to keep you all night, but I do have a couple of questions from my friend, John, who could not be with us. He's a huge fan. And if I didn't ask him, he would kill me. Okay. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So John's first question is what inspired you to make such a dark and aggressive album like nightmare theater? And do you think you'll ever revive the exorcist project? The exorcist record. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we were, uh, it was like around the noble savage era that we, when we did that record, it was one of these things originally that we were supposed to do because of the catastrophe and the cacophony of, of what we had done in our personal lives with owing money and whatever. So this was some way to do this for me, we'll, we'll wipe the slate clean, so to speak. Originally, that was a theory, you know. I always really liked that sort of, I liked thrash and whatnot and, and the more, more, more and more aggressive things. I don't know, we just took that in and I, I'm a huge fan of uh, I have all these books about the uh, Salem witch trials, 1692. So I was combining my love of that with kind of a more underground sound on that record. And I wasn't supposed to be the singer on that record. There was a guy who was the bass player from the, we also, Edward and I wrote all the songs for the second Pile Driver album, Stay Ugly. Mm. And the guy who played bass on that record, he was a very good singer, a friend of mine. He was supposed to sing the Exorcist record, but the day before we were going to go in, or the or the, or the morning of, I know he he had like this epiphany where he thought it was too satanic or whatever. He he couldn't do it, so I knew the songs because you know I had written all the, the vocals and whatever, uh, and I rehearsed the group. I just went in and did it, you know. And I said, "What do I want to do? I got to sound like a rotting corpse meets Johnny Rotten and Lemmy." Kind of a thing, and that was kind of like my my uh, my idea for the for the vocal style. And I had a beer can in front of my face by the microphone. And I was I was drinking all day, of course, but uh, I was howling into the can as well as the mic. And that was the uh, that was the vocal. Yeah. Oh wow, that's it was that's a lot of fun. Crazy. That's really cool, just sort of on the fly effects. Yeah, yeah. We did some other bizarre shit later. You know, we we, we did that record. All the music was recorded in uh, one one afternoon session. That evening, I started. I did all the vocals, and the next day we started mixing and doing those those weird little interlude things. I did all those the second day, and and in like the two three days of pops, it was done. The record was done. We also did the following weekend. We did the original Sin record. That was kind of like the female version of. Exorcist. I think though, going if I was going to do it over again, I'm glad we did it, you know, because people love that 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 record. But I think if we had, if Edward and I had taken those songs and those riffs and 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 changes and lyrics and whatever, 
and did that as the next Virgin Steel record, I think that it could have been quite interesting. So we've actually raided some of that stuff over the years and, and, and redone things. Like we redid um, Trackhawk, Conjuration of the Watcher. It's on the Book of Burning. We wrote that, Edward and I, for, uh, for Original Sin. But then I rewrote it and added that whole fanfare in the middle of the classical stuff for, for the Book of Burning. So we just saw some songs like that were uh, used later. Because I said they, they didn't get as much uh, uh, mileage as they could have. You know, I thought, I felt bad for them. You know? <laughs> sort of Frankenstein in pieces to make them fit in virgin steel, right? Yeah, you know, we just said, well, how would we have done it, you know, if we, if we were going to do it as a follow-up to Noble Savage, rather than, you know, it was going to be, you know, some other crash thing. Right. All right, so John's next question, he feels that a lot of metalheads didn't completely understand the uh, Ghost Harvest Gothic Voodoo material, and he's yeah, wondered if probably. you've ever he's wondered if you ever considered marketing uh, that type of release to a more experimental avant-garde audience. I don't know that it's so uh, avant-garde. I mean, it's, if you listen to a track like uh, Green Dust Blues, it's it's bluesy, yeah, but it's very heavy. I'm singing as violently as ever. Psychic Slaughter is a heavy track. I mean, that's a great fucking record. Um, is probably too much to absorb for some people you know and they only or they don't want to absorb it because they, they they're only stuck in their things that they want to listen to but i've got no regrets about that we'll probably even eventually re-release it and one of the things that got a little hairy with that was uh because there was so much material and then the release date came up and i actually did like my final mixes after i delivered the record you know, so, so <laughs> we reissue it, there'll be some different mixes and whatnot along the way. But I love those tracks. Feral is a great track. And all that stuff is really like, you know, very personal and very much based on, on my life in particular. Yeah, it is what it is. And, and we don't want to be bogged down and be dictated to we have to stay in one area. We're going to do this, that and the other thing. And uh, this right. new record we're doing right now, I think people who thought, with that record, I don't know why they would really think that, but I get it that we drifted away from the, this from the full-on barbaric romantic thing. This new record is the full-on barbaric romantic thing. It's very aggressive, very very heavy. It's all that sort of hectoring vocal that I do, and it's um it's very over the top. Yeah. Just to let you know, I think that material is great as well. You know, everybody has an opinion. Fuck them. Sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's the way of the world, man. It's the way of the world. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. And here's John's final question. Now, the band's name obviously contains Virgin and a lot of your themes deal with innocence and the quest for experience and maturity. So his question is, why has that subject played such an important role in your music? With a lot of female imagery and he's like, he says you had the Age of Consent album, obviously, and there's just a lot of... Oh, well, uh, again, that has a lot to do with what was going on at that particular point in time <laughs> in life. You know, I, 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 the name, obviously, Virgin Steel is really about, I guess, new metal, uh, you know, out to try to untest it, un has to prove itself, that sort of thing coming from the forge, you know, that that whole idea of Excalibur drawing the sword from the stone and whatnot, uh, and going out and uh, proving thyself, you know, so that, that's, that's been in there. We've made no secret that we've enjoyed, you know, female companionship over the years, and I think it's, it's all in, in, the, in the records. And uh, I think, um, you know, that's, people ask me this, you know, this, I guess, relates to this question. How can you write a song like, uh, you know, the lyrics to a mind, body, spirit, and I and say all are one? Well, they are all one. You know, the body is, there are a lot of religious people who think that the body is like a, a tomb or whatever kind of a thing. I always thought the body was a gift. It's a gift to let you know that you're fucking alive, man. So you got to use 
whatever it is you, you got. And you have the mind, you've got the energy, you've got the spirit, you've got the whole thing. It is all one. So the sensual side, uh, we've never shied away from. And that's why you have all those, those kinds of songs and, and whatnot. Because I know that uh, even when we did, when we did Age Consent, I remember getting one letter from a kid. It was like, you call it like the age of puberty or something like that. They could not, couldn't act that everything was not like the burning of Rome. That's only one facet of existence, you know? It's gotta be other things as well. You have to embrace the sensual side and we've done, and you know, we come from the blues and the blues has that sensuality. And then oh, yeah. records like uh, Life Among the Ruins, that's another one that some people hated when it came out, you know? But those who got into Burden Steel with that album loved the record, you know? The Ghost Harvest stuff was kind of like, picking up with some of that left off in a way. And then, you know, they'll, they'll, I've written other songs since then that are like that gothic voodoo blues kind of heavy shit. And if you're into that, great. And if you're not, well, there's, there's always the new album that's coming out, you know? <laughs> you know? And the album after that, which is something different. Yeah, but neither one, Yeah, but still heavy. Tell us a bit about the new album coming out as much as you can. Or want to? Uh, yeah, I don't like to speak so much until there's a release date and whatnot. Uh, but like I said, it is conceptual. Mm-hmm. It's got something to do with an ancient Greek subject in its Sold. own fashion. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of these. Re- it's one what, what, what I was speaking about earlier when we first were chatting about 19th century harmony. This record I made Edward play every single note. Sometimes we built chords one note at a time because I wanted to remove keyboard and have all that stuff be there it's a really interesting effect you know it's a whole new string to our our bow it's very aggressive and you wouldn't necessarily notice that you know because it still has that crunch and all that but it's like if you analyze it like wow there's like whole shitload of harmonic interest going on here on this record yeah more so than than ever before well nick do you have anything else for mr david before we let him go yeah yeah just my last question on the subject of concept albums um i feel like you are an absolute master of the concept album and i definitely gravitate toward concept albums because i i I love storytelling of fiction briefly can you give us like your top three concept albums any genre i will try yeah okay wow heavy duty it's not supposed to really be a concept album and it is and it isn't it's one of those records uh ziggy stardust and the spiders from Oz, rise and fall excellent. you know excellent great one i love that album Whew. in a way queen 2 is sort of conceptual with side black side white and that really floored me that record when it big influence on me when that, when that record first arrived and then after that god maybe there's a ufo album i really like the wild the willing and the innocent it's okay. not necessarily conceptual but it's you know there are things that 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 flow together flow together yeah sometimes it's just lyrical with these records sometimes there are musical bits that 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 come back like that i, I did that with with uh the marriage records and invictus and, yeah. and atria stuff where he had various themes and i'd bring them back and they get they'd get transformed degraded or, or upgraded depending on what was going on with 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 the theme with the character associated with the theme you know yeah kind of idea that's that's from opera that kind of thing it's, it's something i you know i i learned from 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 opera and i went i went back to the university you know in the 90s and i started really studying all these kinds of ideas and what and whatnot and and it was like the Big Bang Theory went off in me, and I am still uh, jonesing on, on that initial flesh, you know, kind of a thing. I think <laughs> you got to go back to the, you got to go back to the well, you know. You got to you can't keep keep just doing the same thing over and over again. 
you if you don't learn something new, you will be doing the same thing over and over again, pretty much. And I don't want to do that. That's why I want to keep keep learning, exploring, and and uh, you know, I, I'd like to be remembered when I'm dust as you know somebody who, who gave a shit and 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 really tried to push the envelope. I don't think you have to because I think about it's that. important. The music is important. You know, whether you like whether you like it or, or not, it's 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 it is my passion. And I think that's what matters. Is it's you know. It, it's something that that you're passionate about, and because of that, it's good no matter what you do. I hope so. I hope people get it in this in this age we live in and, and whatnot. You know, if we were well, having this conversation, you know, in a bar, you know, 20 years ago, it, it'd be different. <laughs> That's true. That's Perhaps. true. Right. Right. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, as I said, we're not going to keep you all night, and you've mentioned the two two new albums eventually uh so what else do you have on the horizon anything else you want to mention oh we're actually um we've got a shitload of new shirts coming out we've got this uh worldwide situation now with a company called season of mist oh okay uh, wow yeah they're doing beautiful things over there we've got quite a few uh new designs that are that are uh launching over the next days so that's new i got the the next record that's in the chamber after this one it's a more uh, autumnal record, you know, kind of a thing. Whatever you can, you know, specify <laughs> you know, that about. Uh, the, the latest record, the, the new record that's coming out is probably somewhere, if you got to, like, look at our last record, somewhere where, like, Marriage and Atreus and Invictus meets Visions of Eden, perhaps, but it's really its own thing. And I'm writing some songs with this uh, this, this uh, guy, Tommy Vitale. He's a great, great, great friend and guitar player. He's got a uh, a record that's I'm not sure when it's coming out, but, but we've we've already got several tracks that that are up and running that are really strong. Yeah, yeah. I would ch- check him out. He, his last record was called Indivisible. Very, 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 very great. Uh, Play it. Plays a strap. Awesome. Well, David, we're definitely looking forward to that stuff. Uh, we're not going to keep you all night. It's been great talking to you. Love to stay in great touch. Talking to you guys. I really appreciate all, all all the support and questions and everything. Thanks so much. Yes, yes, sir. I'm going to get out of here and go scream Noble Savage in my shower. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the guys and goddesses. Cheers. Have a great yeah. night, man. Have a good right. one. Thanks, David. We'll see you. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day all with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.